The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm the host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. You know, prenatal care is often dominated by talk about how the baby's doing, how far along the pregnancy is, how many inches high the uterus is, how to prepare for labor and delivery, all of that sort of thing. Uh, breasts and breastfeeding are actually not mentioned very much. And when that conversation does come up, it tends to be fairly brief. I find that strange because the World Health Organization has identified seven major breastfeeding topics for healthcare providers to discuss with pregnant women before their 32 weeks gestation, which means that's about eight, I think that's about eight months, right? No, that's about seven months, excuse me. But many don't do this. So this is not news, really. The World Health Organization has called for this for many, many years that I'm aware of. What puzzles me is why this conversation doesn't happen. So today, what I'd like to do in this show is to provide some of that need-to-know information. Sure, I'm willing to bet that you've already heard good things about exclusive breastfeeding, skin-to-skin care, good positioning and attachment, rooming in. But all of that breast-is-best stuff really isn't very helpful unless you actually do it. And actually doing it means that you need to separate the fact from the fiction. You've got to deal with some of the less than ideal situations that often do occur and somehow learn how to either initiate that conversation or how to ask the hard questions when they're needed. And that actually might be more often than you might think possible. So let me just start then with what the World Health Organization has called for over the past several years. Although they list several related topics, they call specifically for seven topics and some subtopics that are all important and should be discussed with all pregnant women before 32 weeks gestation. So let me list those seven topics for you. Number one, the importance of exclusive breastfeeding to the baby 
Number two, the importance of breastfeeding to the mother. That's one we don't usually hear as much about. Number three, the importance of skin-to-skin contact immediately after birth. Number four, importance of good positioning and attachment. Number five, getting feeding off to a good start. And number six, no other food or drink need to be given before six months old, that is when the baby is six months old. And number seven, the risks and hazards of not breastfeeding. Now that one, by the way, is my favorite. So those are the seven. Here's my tough question to you. When you were pregnant, did your obstetrician or midwife ask that, or, or rather go through that list with you? Was that even briefly mentioned? Was it mentioned many times? Did you get answers to your satisfaction? I'd love it if you'd drop me a little note on my Facebook page and tell me, did the person who was in charge of your prenatal care bring up those seven points? So I'm going to start with the part about the exclusive breastfeeding. That was number one on the World Health Organization's list. You know, research, as well as my own clinical experience, confirms that most mothers actually do know those benefits if they have elected to breastfeed. The formula feeding mothers, most of the time, actually, they know also. They've just chosen to ignore them. All right? But do mothers know all of the benefits of breastfeeding? Uh, Maybe not. I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure the world does. I'm not sure that we will ever discover all of the benefits of breastfeeding. But here's the thing. Do mothers understand the importance of exclusive breastfeeding? Notice that when the World Health Organization gave number one, they said the importance of exclusive breastfeeding to the baby. All right, well, I think that we kind of need to pull apart some of those terms. Exclusive breastfeeding means that the baby isn't getting anything other than the mother's milk. And that's for the healthy, full-term baby. The World Health Organization, the Academy of Pediatrics, and everybody else who's anybody all agrees that for the healthy, full-term baby, there is no need to give anything other than the mother's milk. And you're sitting there saying, Marie, I got it, I got it, I've heard this before. Okay, then why is it that so many, many babies are supplemented in the hospital or shortly thereafter? Why does that happen? Now, that question I think I can pretty well answer. First, different hospitals have different protocols for when they begin supplementation. In some hospitals, yes, Even now, I'm talking about here in the United States, I'm talking about major metropolitan areas. Some babies are supplemented if they have not eaten within a four-hour interval. Yeah, pretty amazing, but that's true. Here's another one. Some hospitals will give formula if the baby's blood sugar level is, quote, low. The problem, of course, 
is that hospitals tend to have a very different definition of what constitutes low. Now, it was a couple of years ago, but nonetheless, reasonably uh, not terribly long ago, when I was talking with a mother and she was telling me, oh, 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 the baby had to have uh, some formula supplementation because his blood sugar was low. I said, okay, well, how low is his blood sugar? Now, this woman was a nurse, so I know she got it straight. She said to me, it was 54. And I thought, wow, okay, well, that's, uh, as far as I know, there's no evidence for that. But how come this happens? And by the way, we actually have relatively little clear evidence about an exact number for when the baby's uh, blood sugar is, quote, low. Here's another one that I frequently get for why the baby got supplemented with formula in the hospital, because the baby had lost too much weight. Okay, that's fair because I'm not trying to minimize the importance of looking at the baby's weight loss. And I definitely use the mantra, feed the baby. You've heard me say that again uh, before. But here we're in a situation where different doctors, different hospital protocols and so forth make this idea of non-exclusive breastfeeding kind of kind of interesting here. We could spend all day just looking at the reasons that I've heard either from mothers most recently in the hospital or when I've been in the hospital or when I've worked in the hospital And there are lots and lots of reasons why babies get supplemented in the hospital. The question is, is there research evidence to back up those reasons? And does it all make sense? Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on too. But I want to go to the part about the, does the mother actually exclusively breastfeed for six months? And the answer is a profound no. Most mothers know that the American Academy of Pediatrics, the World Health Organization, and multiple other organizations recommend exclusive breastfeeding until the baby is six months old. But here's the thing. Knowing isn't doing. 75% of U.S. mothers initiate breastfeeding. That is, when they are in the hospital, they hold their hand up and say, yes, I'm going to breastfeed, and they start breastfeeding. And, and 25%, by the way, don't even try. However, 14% are exclusively breastfeeding for the recommended six months. 14%. I think it's by now 14.2%. That's a pretty small number. So in the professional research, as well as in my own clinical observations, most new mothers find that those first few weeks of breastfeeding are more difficult than they had anticipated. And here again, mothers will say, well, gee, you know, I felt kind of silly. I was thinking that, that this should be instinctive for babies. And so I felt like, well, they were just going to hop right on and just go right to town. Well, it probably would be instinctive if some of us would help that instinct to kick in. More on that on the other side of the break. 
A number of studies have shown that these difficulties are often identified as the reason for early supplementation or even a switch to complete formula feeding. So how about this six months thing? You know, here too, the words are easy to understand, but the reality often turns out to be much different. I often hear mothers say that they were told to start cereal at three months or four months. Now, sometimes that's their next door neighbor or their sister or their whoever, but honestly, yes, sometimes it is their pediatrician. I don't understand that because the American Academy of Pediatrics does not say that. So I think part of what happens is that at six months, uh, this is kind of held out to be the ideal, but somewhere along the line, mothers are told something else. So we could probably have a whole show on why mothers don't exclusively breastfeed for six months, but the truth is they don't. At 14 months, only 14% of the mother, excuse me, at six months, only 14% of the mothers are exclusively breastfeeding. Why so? Did they, or maybe did you, get bad advice? Did they, or did you, have so many initial problems and concerns that you really didn't have enough milk for six months? So here's the thing. When we healthcare professionals tell mothers about the benefits of breastfeeding, we don't always make it clear that we mean that those benefits that they will get if they are exclusively breastfed for several months. Now, I'd be the first one to say that some breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. Absolutely. But those benefits aren't likely to happen if the baby has eight slurps of breastfeeding in the first day or two. Now, more on those benefits when we come back. I'm Marie Biancuta with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. 
Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. Just before the break, I was talking a little bit about uh, the fact that we have all of this business on the benefits of breastfeeding, but in truth, we're not reaping those benefits because only 14% of us are actually breastfeeding exclusively for the first six months. Now, as I said to you earlier, I know that there are benefits to the baby. You know that there are benefits to the baby, and I'm not sure that we will ever have a list long enough to really give all of those benefits that have been well proven by research. So let me just point out a few that the Surgeon General's call to action highlighted. And these are certainly not the only ones, but I would say they are probably the biggest and probably the most well-documented in research. So full-term infants if not breastfed, have a number of what they call excess health risks, which is sort of a fancy way of saying if you're formula feeding, your kid is more likely to have these ailments. Acute ear infections, and by the way, that has been a decades-long thing. I distinctly remember that in 1992, there was a wonderful uh summary article that was written by, um, I think it was Lucas, and he summarized research over the last 50 years and said that acute ear infections were five times more common in the formula-fed baby than in the uh, breastfed baby. So this is not news. That information was 50 years old in 1992. Excuse me, no, it was Cunningham's study. I just remembered that. Okay, so acute ear infections eczema, or some of you may say eczema, diarrhea and vomiting or GI infection, hospitalization for a lower respiratory infection during the first year, asthma with family history as well as asthma with no family history, certainly the one that's on everybody's radar lately, childhood obesity, and the other one that goes along with that, 
type 2 diabetes. But how about this? Acute leukemia. If somebody said to you, your child has a greater chance of developing cancer, that is leukemia, if you formula feed him, do you think that you might have to make a second thought before you pick up that bottle of formula? And then finally, the other one for full-term babies is sudden infant death syndrome, that is SIDS. And we're starting to use some different terminology with that nowadays, but SIDS is probably what you recognize. Okay, those are just the big ones, not the only ones. Now, what about preterm infants? Certainly, I I think we could probably say that the preterm infant is at risk for many things, but the one that is especially important is necrotizing enterocolitis, that is NEC. If you were with us last fall when Kim Updegrove was on the show, Kim Updegrove is from the Milk Bank, and she was telling about how for these little tiny preterm babies that are very low birth weight, that human milk is not only good and not only best, it is literally the difference between life and death because those little tykes are so vulnerable to necrotizing enterocolitis. It is literally a rotting of the baby's gut. And then finally, there's the one that we, we don't hear about quite as much, which is the importance of breastfeeding for mothers, or the benefits, I suppose you might say. Yet, interestingly enough, there is a fair amount of research, and I just saw a study here, oh, I don't know, a month or so ago, telling me the same old thing, which is women are at greater risk for breast cancer when they are formula feeding their babies. Well, not when they're formula feeding at the moment, but anytime thereafter as well. So what I mean to say about that is I don't know how many studies it's going to take to convince women that there is a relationship here. As I see it, we now have a whole generation of women who were formula fed themselves and now they are formula feeding their infants. And by the way, some of these infants are getting soy-based products, soy which contains a plant estrogen. And there's a whole lot of literature around that. But the question is, should these little kids be getting estrogen, even though it's a plant estrogen, when they are very little babies? Oh, and, and Here again, the World Health Organization had a gigantic study on this in 2002. It was was many, many thousand women. I'm thinking like a little fewer than 200,000 women altogether. And I also remember that it was in like 30 or 32 different countries. The study was huge. What kind of numbers will it take for us to like get our attention here? But also ovarian cancer or hip fractures in later life. These are just the big ones, the ones that are well-recognized and well-established. So when we talk about these so-called benefits of breastfeeding, I think it would probably be more useful to talk about what are the risks that are associated with not breastfeeding. That's pretty scary. So what are my take-home messages about all of this stuff? Well, First of all, 
I think that there, the idea of exclusive breastfeeding requires just a few things, and I'm going to number those for you. Number one, be confident that you can do it. I don't know how many times I've said this on the show, that if I could just give every mother a confidence pill, they could all breastfeed. But that is central to everything else. It's, it's, it's just as important as learning a technique or having support. But definitely number two is support. You need to be sure that you have support for the decision to breastfeed your baby. And that means family support, professional support, and more. Otherwise, you're not going to find yourself in that 14% who actually do succeed in exclusive breastfeeding until six months. Number three, ask ahead. I would be asking about the hospital's protocol for supplementation. When exactly do they supplement babies? A certain number of hours? When the baby's glucose level is so low, that is the baby's blood sugar? What is it? What triggers the whole bit for supplementation in the hospital? Number four. Ask about the hospital's policy on nighttime feedings. Do they encourage nighttime feedings? And are nurses allowed to simply offer a breastfed baby some formula without the mother's permission? To me, this is just gigantic. Okay? That's a gross violation of the mother's rights and certainly the baby's rights. What about weight loss? I would be asking about that well ahead of before the, when it actually happened. So prevention is key. It's less likely that you'll find your baby in a weight loss situation if you have not had epidural anesthesia. And there was some really good research done by Chantry and colleagues about that uh, a couple of years ago. So that brings me to say what I've said a million other times before on this show. Hire a doula. Why so? Because laboring mothers who have professional labor support are less likely to ask for epidural analgesia during labor. You know, I can almost guarantee you that I know the numbers that the doctor or the hospital will use about weight loss. They'll start getting concerned about the baby who has lost 5% or 6% or 7% of his weight. And they'll be even more concerned if it's more than 7%. And, and by the way, I would be concerned about that. That's definitely, I mean, that would like put up my antennas, most definitely. But if I were the mother, I would be asking a few questions before everybody got too overboard here. The first one would be, was the baby weight on the same scale? Scales do differ. I would be asking, was the weight rechecked? I would be asking about how many wet diapers and how many dirty diapers. I'd be asking more questions than just the weight. Weight, while important, is not the only factor. It's just one data point. So I want to move a little bit into skin-to-skin contact because you hear a lot about skin-to-skin contact, but at least what I have found out is that when I talk to mothers, as recently as, you know, within the last month or so, I always seem to get pretty much the same answer or the same idea, which is mothers seem to think that this skin-to-skin contact is, first of all, just about the immediate period after delivery. And I would agree that absolutely is important. 
but it's not just the first hour after after birth. And second, they don't seem to understand that this skin-to-skin contact doesn't mean like just for a couple of minutes. Like everything else that is a natural therapy, it takes, you know, some time. Takes some time. And so the World Health Organization comes along and they say, we need to learn about, number one, the importance of uh, breastfeeding for the baby, number two, for the mother, number three, skin-to-skin contact. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about what I call the who, what, where, when, and why of skin-to-skin contact. And I'm going to help you with what I believe to be a real kicker there. I'd just also like to let you know that I had a really good night's sleep last night. As many of you know, I often broadcast from my mother's home just outside of Rochester, New York, and I went to bed with the New Angel pillow. And I'm not breastfeeding and I'm not pregnant, but I love that 100% cotton pillow. I put it between my knees. It feels great. If you haven't tried it, take a look. www.nuangel.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. 
Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. Thank you for returning. And uh, I would invite you, please, to feel free to call and ask questions. If you don't have an opportunity because maybe you're driving or something, I know that this is drive hour for some people, please shoot me an email. That would be radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Dot com. I'll repeat that. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. And don't forget to go on my Facebook page and let me know, did your obstetrician or did your midwife go through these seven points with you? All right. So we left off talking about skin to skin. And I, basically my message was it's not just for that first hour and it's not just for a couple of minutes. It's actually much more sustained. So let me be quick to say that any healthy baby, even a formula-feeding baby, should have skin-to-skin contact with his mother immediately after delivery. Now, if the medical team decides that the baby has a critical need and needs medical attention, that's another whole story. And honestly, I I wouldn't be arguing right then. This is not the time to duke it out, okay? But those babies who are ill and stable need skin-to-skin contact with their mother, although probably just not instantly. Research has shown over and over that skin-to-skin contact is enormously effective. This goes into, I would suppose, the why. Why are we doing skin-to-skin contact? And, of course, mothers always tell me, oh, better bonding. Okay, yeah, I'll give it to you. Better bonding, but... How about some of these physiologic effects which cannot be obtained in any other way as well? They might be able to be obtained, but not as well as with skin-to-skin contact. I'm thinking here, better temperature, better heart rate. If you look at the work of of, uh, Dr. Niels Bergman, we have him, I hope, lined up for a show later this year. Uh, this spring, actually. And if all goes well, I'm sure that Dr. Bergman will be happy to talk with you more about that. And an earlier show, we heard a lot from Dr. Susie Ludington-Ho about temperatures. Also, better respirations. 
better weight gains. How about that now? And for the mother, better milk production and what I would call just better overall breastfeeding. I don't know how to exactly explain that, but I can tell you that those babies that have had that skin-to-skin contact are more likely to latch on. When they do latch on, they have a better latch on and they seem to have just a better experience. And oh, by the way, research as well as my clinical experience shows those are the babies who are more likely to be breastfeeding for a longer period of time. So yeah, bonding is important, but bonding is only one piece of the puzzle. Very often, too, mothers will say, well, they had difficulty with a baby who was uh, reluctant to breastfeed or pushed the breast away or whatever. My first question is always, did you try skin-to-skin contact? It's a real magic. So, yes, if you're talking about skin-to-skin, I am talking about immediately after delivery. I definitely mean that, yes. But I also mean that skin-to-skin contact is effective for many hours, many days, many weeks after delivery in promoting a good breastfeeding experience and an ample milk supply. So this skin-to-skin thing is not just a one-time event. Now, I would also say the how long question comes into this. Uh, I usually say, well, you know, as long as possible. Well, sometimes that's not very long, but I would say many, many, many minutes. Two or three minutes is is not going to give you those benefits that I'm promising you. Again, this is a natural remedy, so to speak. And natural remedies just don't happen instantly. But several minutes, if you can do it for an hour, that would be great. Two hours, even better. So let's skip then to things like number four, which the World Health Organization points out. So we've gotten through the first three, right? Benefits for mother, benefits for baby, skin-to-skin contact, number four, good positioning and attachment. And the World Health Organization goes on here to say that good positioning and latch help the baby to get lots of milk and helps the mother to avoid sore nipples and sore breasts. That's, That's so true. But how are you going to know how to get good positioning? Or do you know how you're going to get help? if you don't. Now, that's not something that I think that your doctor can help you with in the office when you're pregnant, but I think you've got to start like formulating those questions in your mind. Why so? Because without good latch, you won't have a good milk supply. Without good milk removal, you won't have a good supply. How many times have I preached? Remove to refill. Remove to refill. And interestingly enough, you know, good positioning and good latch is best determined by you, the mother. If you've heard that the baby needs to gain weight and have so many wet diapers and so many dirty diapers every day, that's great. I agree with all that. But, you know, honestly, you really won't know that until several hours later. But there are two things that you can determine immediately. Number one, that it's not painful. Okay, that's right. I said breastfeeding should not hurt. Sure, your nipples may be a little sensitive due to the hormones or the the newness of the experience, but I would not characterize it as painful. I would characterize that as nipples that are sensitive or tender, but and, and certainly not cracked or bleeding. Okay, 
All right, the second one is one that you don't often hear about, but it's so important. Audible swallowing. You should hear the baby swallowing. Okay, you actually might not hear the baby swallowing the first day or so, but someone should hear the baby swallowing. It could be the the baby's father or the the nurse or great aunt Millie or anyone else that puts an ear close to the baby. Now, the baby will be swallowing really, really, really softly. I admit it's very hard to hear that first day or two when there's not very much volume of milk in his mouth. But if the baby is truly getting milk, she will be swallowing very, very softly. How do you think the milk gets to the tummy? Well, because she swallowed it. And the reason that she feels satisfied after she ate is that the milk got in her tummy. And the only way that happened was if she swallowed. So I do admit it's a little hard to hear, but with practice, you will be able to hear it. And the person who has got their ear closer can probably hear it even better. Okay, then. So you should be by now asking yourself, uh, great, so how am I going to know? Well, I would say get some good visual aids if you can't take a class. I've seen some good and some not-so-good demonstrations on the web, some good and some not-so-good YouTubes. Um, You know, I grew up in the age when we didn't have a web, and so I learned to look for things that uh, had a little more stability. And I'm going to kind of buzz by that so that I can get through getting uh, getting the baby off to a good start. If we have time, I'll go back and tell you some of my favorite uh, places to get good information. So number five, the World Health Organization says getting the feeding off to a good start. And they point out that that includes having baby-led feeding, knowing when baby is getting enough milk, the importance of rooming in or keeping the baby nearby, problems with using artificial teats, which is what we would call nipples, or pacifiers. So what does that mean? It means that the baby-led feeding part means that the baby is fed on cue. The trick here, though, is knowing those cues, both the hunger cues as well as the satiety cues. All right, sometimes nurses are really good at teaching the hunger cues, but not so much the satiety cues, that is, when the baby feels satiated or feels full. The number of minutes that the baby breastfeeds isn't really very important. I have seen some babies who can get a whole meal in three minutes and others who take 20 minutes. And some babies who can be there 50 minutes and never have a good meal. The interval, however, is important. Most breastfed babies can't go much more than two or three hours between feedings in the early days. Baby-led feeding also means reading the baby's signs of satiation or satiety, fullness. All right, it means that he's had enough food and he's satisfied. And again, the satiety signs are different for some babies. And I think I've covered that at a different show. So what are my take-home messages? Well, here you go. First of all, take matters into your own hands. If you're not consistently learning from your healthcare provider, your obstetrician or your midwife, whoever it is, during the prenatal period, start realizing that you need to take matters into your own hands. And start that conversation with your provider. Find every opportunity You might ask, for example, um, I know that the World Health Organization and many others emphasize um, the importance 
of uh, being skin to skin with my baby immediately after birth? How long will it be before I can be skin to skin with my baby after he's born? If that's a vague answer, keep asking. Will I have the opportunity for skin to skin contact if I have a cesarean birth? The whole idea here is for you to be fully prepared. Also, start interviewing a pediatrician. By and large, I find that pediatricians are more enthusiastic and you need to make sure that they have the same amount of enthusiasm that you do. Learn what really goes on in the hospital where you intend to deliver, pointing out those things that I talked about earlier. Hire a doula and find ways to educate yourself. There's always plenty of information that's out there. And finally, find support. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about number six and number seven. We'll finish up here for today. Don't go away. The best is yet to come because I'm going to talk about costs. I'm Marie Biancuso with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
You are listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining us. I talked about the five things that the World Health Organization says that all women should know before 32 weeks gestation. I'm going to finish up with number six and number seven. Number six, give no other food or drink for the first six months. And of course, that pertains to the healthy baby. So what they really stress here is the importance of continuing after six months while giving other foods as well. And as I said in the show last week, you should always be offering your baby the breast before you offer him the solids. What I find distressing, though, is that many parents will start adding foods when the baby is three or four months old. And there's a lot of junk going around the world. I just read something on the Internet today that said, go ahead and uh, feed the baby solids at three or four months. And that's just not true. Okay, there's no science to support that. Um, I gave you, I, I kind of stole my own thunder, but I did that purposefully earlier when I talked about how only 14% of women make it to exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months. I really want to focus on number seven, which the uh, World Health Organization talks about in terms of the risks and the hazards of not breastfeeding. And the first one that they point out is the loss of protection from illness and chronic disease. Now, we know that formula is an artificial replacement for the real thing. So, you know, although the nutrient content of formula really isn't too bad these days, it is absolutely secondary to the nutrients that are in mother's milk. More importantly, aside from the nutrient thing, mother's milk has a protective or a bioactive component. To it, multiple components, really. Mother's milk contains over 300 components. Many, many of those components are primarily protective, that is, bioactive components. And formula doesn't contain components like live cells, which, of course, are protective. There are a number of errors that can happen when formula is contaminated. And that's a real problem. It's not just a matter of education. It's a matter of people either don't read directions or they're in a hurry or they're trying to skimp on formula in order to save milk. Or some people are kind of figuring that if some is good, more is better. One that I find the most fascinating is that people scoop differently. If you don't believe me, watch how you scoop the coffee out of the can in the morning and watch how uh, somebody else scoops the coffee out of the can in the morning. All right. My husband and I scoop very differently. So with coffee, it doesn't matter. With formula, it absolutely does matter. And by the way, this is my most favorite thing that I think that parents are totally unaware of in terms of the downside of formula. And that is the cost. Over the years, I've read many, many, many figures on how much it costs to feed a baby formula. And it's very difficult to get a grip on a realistic number. Why so? Because there are so many factors that are different for each family or each child or each brand or 
even the month. Are we talking month one or month four? You know, what are we talking about? Now, this afternoon, I printed out something from the web. It is what I would consider to be one of the most popular brands of formula. This one was available online. It does give you free shipping on orders more than $50, but it was $24.98 for this container of formula. Alrighty? And from that, you need to determine how many servings that is for your baby. And how many servings that is for your baby really depends on how old your baby is, how much he's going to need. But it's more than that. Are we talking here some formula for a primarily breastfed baby? Are we talking all formula for an all formula fed baby? Are we talking powdered formula? Or are we talking concentrate formula? Or are we talking ready-to-feed formula? Those are all priced differently. Now, the $24.98 one that I just talked to you about, that was the powdered, which is always the cheapest, by the way. Now, how about this? Are we talking about just the formula? Or are we talking about the bottles and the nipples and the related paraphernalia? Or are we talking about the cost of the hot water and the soap, running your dishwasher, etc., not to mention the time it takes, okay, to actually clean the bottles and the paraphernalia. Are we talking about having enough formula to feed a baby who is a few weeks old or a baby who is a few months old? Are we talking about the cost of so many ounces of fluid that the baby will eat? Because that's different between a breastfed and a formula-fed baby. Formula-fed babies will overeat. Breastfed babies don't and won't and never have. And that has been well established in the research for decades that I know of. Now, here's the kicker. Are we talking about the amount of formula that you need to, that the baby actually consumes? Or are we talking about the amount of formula that you need to prepare And oh, by the way, then you end up throwing out some of that formula. When the baby is breastfeeding, you are never having leftovers. You are never throwing milk away. And here's the other piece. Are we talking about the extra costs of taking the baby to the doctor every time he's sick? Remember now, formula-fed kids are much more likely to get those ear infections and other ailments. Or, for that matter, are we talking about the cost of taking days off from work in order to take your sick kid to the doctor? Often, I hear that mothers say that they spend extra money feeding themselves. Well, guess what? That's a small drop in the bucket, folks. Okay? So, I challenge you. Go down to your local supermarket, pharmacy, or membership warehouse, or go online, or wherever you want to go, and note how many ounces of formula the can will yield. Then figure out how many ounces of formula you need to prepare and multiply that by 30 days. Now, that's the minimum amount of money you'll be spending on formula for the month. If you buy the cheapest formula you can and you price it for only one month, that is the first month, I really don't think you can get away with anything less than $60 or so for the first month. That's if you're lucky. Okay? So remember, it that doesn't even count all the bottles and all the nipples and all the everything else's. So I hope that what I've 
have done today is to help you to recognize these seven things that you need to be aware of and that you need to ask questions about. You need to be your own best advocate, and you absolutely have to be sure that you are asking the right questions, initiating the conversation if necessary. That's all the time we have today. I would like to invite you to visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com or if you're a professional to visit me at my professional site breastfeedingoutlook.com. If you are interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. We'll be right back.